Okay. Well, Andy, we have been talking about comfort and joy throughout Advent, and this is our final week of that, and this is another joy week. So I'm wondering what the, what pops out to you from this text and how do you connect that to joy? Well, I would say that, first of all, I'll, I'll say that I have, I think you and I both have preached this text previously, and I haven't necessarily focused on joy when we preach this text, because the, the song itself, Mary's song, as it's sometimes called, is, uh, it's a protest song. I mean, it is, it is like classic in the sense of, you know, Bob Dylan and Rage Against the Machine and some of the protest songs that we were familiar with. It, it is that as well. So I, uh, as I was reading this, um, I, was, I was compelled by not necessarily the song itself, though there are bits of joy that you're going to point to, but I was drawn to the beginning part, the beginning of the scripture where Mary heads to uh, Elizabeth. And the moment where we read that the child in Elizabeth's womb uh, leapt for joy at the news that Mary was pregnant with Jesus, um, for, for some reason I got this image and, and maybe it's because it's a, a classic meme of the dancing baby. And so I just imagine that this baby hears this news and through Elizabeth and, and then just starts like doing a little jig in her womb. Uh, and I, I love that sign of joy. And what's, what I think is uh, fascinating, interesting, compelling about that is that this isn't necessarily a circumstance that naturally would be greeted with joy and excitement. Mary is uh, not wet at this point. She's not sure uh, that Joseph is fully committed. Um, she's poor. She's young. Um, they live in the middle of oppression, imperial oppression. Um, these are not good times. This isn't. These are not necessarily good optics for Mary to be pregnant. So this could have been a moment where Elizabeth responds with, "Oh no, what are we going to do?" And instead, because they know what this child represents. And even the baby within Elizabeth knows what this child represents, which is hope, which you and I talked about previously. Hope is um, so often- in Always with joy. Always just intrinsically linked with joy. And so the news of that hope brings such joy this, that this baby leaps and Elizabeth is excited as well. And to, to me, uh, the idea of hope and joy linked together and that dancing baby, that, like that's, that's what I saw right away. What about for you? Yeah, that, I love the image of like, you said earlier, your, your guts dance. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't feel joy <laughs> when it's like that deep inside of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The difference between that and just like momentary happiness, right? Mm -hmm. That's, I love the picture of the dancing baby. Um, the thing that, that struck me was related to something Mary says in the text. And it's this piece where she says, um, 
he, like God has done this. God has shown strength, has scattered the proud, has brought down the powerful, has lifted up the lowly, has filled the hungry, has sent away the rich empty over and over again. She says this has happened, even though all evidence points to the contrary. Like no, none of this has been solved. The kingdom of God has not like fully replaced the reality that is in front of her. And I am so moved by a faith that is grounded so deeply in the larger story that she's like, it is as though this has already happened. I will speak about it as though it is done. It has been completed, especially since knowing things about this particular text, like this is the longest string of words uttered in the New Testament by a woman documented as being such. This is like an important moment in our scriptures for that reason. And it is as such one of the most banned texts from scripture, like governments across the world have said, you may not read this in church. There are many instances of this. Uh, one example is like when the British were in India and they prohibited this song from being sung at all. And mm. it wasn't the, my soul magnifies the Lord part that made them mad. It was the rich have been brought down part, right? Like the powerful have been made low. Those are the parts that get underneath people's skins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yet she's talking about this as though it has already occurred. And I just, that, I think you could call that kind of faith naive. Mm. You can look around the world and be like, yeah, I, I was just driving up Lombard the other day again and noticed even more tents at the intersection going west on Lombard from I-5, right? I was like, man, we haven't, we haven't gotten any closer to this uh, being true, this song, like the song being um, embodied in the world. And yet there is this sense too in me of if I can live like this as though it has already happened, then I will live better. I will do more that like moves it. It's, it's one of those paradoxes for me and my faith. Mm -hmm. So, and it gives me, it does give me hope. I feel empowered by that. I feel changed by that. I feel like I can feel joy even when I'm looking at a, and experiencing significant suffering in the way that she was because she said it's done. So that's, yeah. where my, that's where my heart goes around this particular text for sure. I'll be thinking about that a lot this week. Yeah, I, I also am. Uh, I think what's also amazing about that is that um, she's so young. Yeah. Right? And, and uh, so you might think she's naive, but no, she's claiming these things because that's what is true. That is what is true with God all the time. We can point to the faithfulness of God in this. So I, um, I find it really interesting that you, you mentioned the tents that continue to show up on Lombard uh, and how you could point at those things and say, this isn't true. The, the lowly are still just, it's, we have more and more lowly and yet, and yet, and this is where look, it's important to look for signs of hope that can bring us joy. So just today, this very day that we're recording this, uh, 19 tiny homes are going to be placed at the new St. John's Village site. 
today. And these are, this was a project that was, that people fought against people who were more, and I'm just, I'm going to name this and this may be controversial, but people who were more interested in their property values than housing those who are suffering and those who are living on the streets fought this and threatened lawsuits and threatened to do all kinds of things to, to, uh, organizations, to uh, the city, all, all kinds of threats yeah. and fought tooth and nail to make sure this project didn't happen. And yet 19 pods will be placed on that site and we will have the opportunity to see people move into transitional housing out of those tents that you point to and into eventually permanent supportive housing so I look at something like that, which is, in a sense, um, it, it, it's resistance. Yes. It's revolution, right? It's resistance. And that's, what, uh, that's why I say this is a protest song. This is, Mary's song is a song of resistance. If we are looking for those signs of resistance and hope, um, they are there. God has done this. I, I point to something like the St. John's Village and like the, the groundbreaking for this housing project, it seems like it's taken forever and we've had to fight so hard for. I look at those things and say, God has done this. God has and continues to do this. But if we're not looking for the, those signs of hope that bring us joy, uh, we'll find ourselves just noticing the tents. Yeah. That makes sense. And in despair. Mm -hmm. It strikes me that the women who are involved in this story are both pregnant, of course. And then there's a long heritage. This, this song is basically stolen from first Samuel and Hannah's prayer. It's not, it's not solo in the, in the texts. Right. But, uh, it, there's something about women who are gestating life that it isn't here yet, but they know it's coming. Mm -hmm. And especially people who, multiple people in these stories who have been told, you will never give life to this thing that you hope for. It will never happen. Barrenness as a theme and a metaphor is a big deal. And as we know in in these scriptures and these women still pray and sing and hope as though all they see is gonna become alive and that this will happen. And I think Barbara Brown Taylor uh, says prophets ne- almost never get their verb tenses right. They always see things as the as God sees them instead of as the world sees them. And so they can say this has happened or this is happening. And I, I, your reflection on signs, I think points to that. When we know that things, that God is present, then we can rely on feeling joy, even when it's clear in the moment that we don't know what we're looking at. We can feel, we can resist, we can live into, it's more than an outcome. It's more than, oh, the right thing happened and I got what I wanted. It's about being a part of something that is a larger story, like Mary was a larger part of a larger story. And to say, I'm going to sing about this because it's so important and it's bigger than I am. It's bigger than you are. There's more to it. And that's, 
that's beautiful imagination, which I think is something we don't talk enough about in the church. Yeah. That imagination has power. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, you mentioned looking for signs and I'm, I'm very aware this particular uh, Christmas that the signs that we typically can point to mm. some of the traditions that we can point to that, that point to hope and love and peace and joy that it's not the same. We, we have to look uh, harder elsewhere differently um, this particular year when we, we can't gather in the same way, you know, I, I, uh, I think about, um, how we won't be able to be in person on Christmas Eve. I gotta be careful because that still breaks my heart, yeah. but that means we have to do it differently. Um, it doesn't mean that we don't have that time of, of hope and joy, uh, and, and connection to something beyond ourselves in that moment. It just, it's going to look different. So to be mindful of uh, those signs and looking for those signs uh, differently, it's huge, hugely important. Otherwise, we can find ourselves in a season that's supposed to be uh, joyful, uh, find ourselves in despair. Yeah. Looking for the light in the darkness is Mm -hmm. the act of resistance and true joy real joy, not just Christmas tinsel happiness Mm -hmm. or satisfaction or whatever, is always going to be able to see those signs, those points of light, even Mm -hmm. in the midst of real, real, real darkness, real darkness, and maybe even see them better in that real darkness because there isn't distraction from it. Mm. Um, It strikes me that that kind of joy actually, that's the resistance piece. It refuses to let darkness overcome the light mm-hmm. refuses to do it, which is much more faithful according to how we understand faith. Yeah. Wow. Well, we'll see what, what people do with all of that. And if yeah. they can, they can see uh, in themselves where this is possible this year. I keep thinking of something a friend told me, Episcopalian friend. She's a, she's a priest on 82nd. She said, I keep wanting to lead the church of the Magnificat. I want to find that church. Mm. And uh, so that's an invitation to me to, to be a part of the Church of the Magnificat alongside you and uh, the folks at Portsmouth Union to see if we can make that place real in the world this year. So we've got a couple of questions for people that might lead us there. Um, one is just really basic, but I think very difficult to answer. <laughs> and if in the midst of all of it, we could make joy our bedrock as Mary does in this song. What would that be like? What would change if joy were the bedrock for all of this that we're in and facing? And then secondly, more personal uh, question that you might need to think about your own story and your own life very specifically. How is God magnified through your unique self? What is it in you that allows God to be magnified? And do you have any stories of divine favor to tell? What signs can you point to of God's divine favor right now? So what would it be like to make joy your bedrock? 
And how is God magnified through you specifically and uniquely? And what stories do you have to share or signs that you're seeing in this season? With that, Andy, do you want to sing us out and pray us out as we uh, find our way into the week of Christmas finally? Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me pray. Loving God who seeks to draw near to us and to show us your very self, the whole reason for the incarnation that we celebrate this week. We pray that you would open our, our eyes and our minds and our hearts to see signs of hope and joy, to be aware of where you are, are being incarnated in, our, in ourselves and in one another and in our world, in a world that can feel tremendously dark. Show us your light and help us to be looking for seeking that light. We give you thanks for the hope and joy that is rooted in you and your love for us and, and your love for this world. We pray all of this in Jesus' name and all the holy names of God. Amen. All right, I'll close by singing our benediction song. I invite you to sing to and with one another as we close uh, this fourth Sunday of Advent. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make God's face to shine upon you and be gracious, gracious, gracious to you. The Lord lift up God's countenance upon you and give you, give you, give you peace. Continue to be safe at home and be at peace knowing that you are loved by God and loved by us and we miss you.